Hello and welcome back to the Indie, the podcast from the newsroom of the Santa Barbara Independent. I'm Molly McEnany, the host of The Indie, and I'm here with Samantha Eve, Executive Director of the Alcazar Theater and Artistic Director of Out of the Box Theater, which is screening Rocky Horror at the Alcazar in Carpinteria on Saturday, October 30th, one at 7 p.m. and one at midnight. Thanks for being here, Sam, to talk about all things spooky theater related. Thank you. It's one of my favorite subjects, so I'm really happy to be here chatting it out. So what makes Rocky Horror so fun is how interactive it is. So what are some of the elements that are going to be included in this production regarding costumes, props, photo ops, and the like? Well, costumes are definitely encouraged. I cannot wait to see what people come out in. Um, It's one of those shows that really encourages people to go all out and not be embarrassed or feel nervous about dressing pretty extravagantly. So I'm very excited to see that. We're going to have a photo wall. They can remember this awesome time and their awesome costumes and hopefully tag the Alcazar Theater so we can share those photos as well. Um, We're going to have some prop bags that are available to purchase at the theater. So you don't have to do any kind of preparation to bring all of these random items that you're supposed to throw on cue. Um, There will be toilet paper rolls, bubbles, newspaper, rubber gloves, uh, noisemakers. And then we're going to have a little note card that has information on when to use which props and how. So really, this is great for Rocky Horror Virgins where if you want to try something new and you don't want to feel intimidated by not having done it before, we're going to make it super easy and super fun. So Sam, you've had so many successful horror shows that you've done with Out of the Box Theater and you revived Rocky Horror in 2017 at Center Stage. So what has been the reception to putting on this show every Halloween? Do people really get into it in Santa Barbara? People love a holiday in Santa Barbara. I have just been blown away by the turnout. Whenever you do something that is festive and in theme for a holiday, people come out in droves. They will dress up. They just want something fun to do as a community with their neighbors and their friends to celebrate. So uh, when we did Rocky Horror at Center Stage, we sold out a lot of our performances It was pretty crazy, and the response was just so loud and energetic and fun in the audience. Everyone was just really having a blast. Well, now that you're the artistic director of Out of the Box Theater, which has been doing progressive musicals for a little over a decade, what have been some of the most successful shows that you've put on? Well, I would say um, one of our most successful shows was Evil Dead, which was actually another Halloween show where we had blood cannons rigged into the set. They let me do that at center stage. Thank you, Terry Ball, who is the director of that theater, because I'm sure this person comes in and is like, I want to just spray blood at everybody. Is that going to be cool with you? I mean, (laughs) it's a risk, but she let us do it. And it was really fun with zombies. And it was just camp and, and you know, just a blast. Um, We recently did... Fun Home, which was one of my favorite shows to work on. The cast was just extraordinary. The show was beautiful um, about Alison Bechtel, and it was just great. Uh, Then most recently, pre-COVID, we did American Psycho, the musical, which was the regional premiere. It was the first time it was in the area. Really large cast projections, uh, money guns that shot fake dollar bills out into the audience, just kind of capturing the extravagance of that time period in New York. 
Yeah, and I know you put on Carrie too, and another one called Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson and High Fidelity, and they're all just very gore and very camp, and it's very fun. But I have to ask you, who is your favorite character in Rocky Horror? I am a big Columbia fan. I love the tap dancing. I just, I love all of that. So that's probably, she's probably my favorite. Oh yeah, always a top-notch performance with that one. But is there anything else you'd like to add about Rocky Horror or why Halloween is something that you're so passionate about, especially in theater and performing? I think Halloween is a holiday that is very theatrical. It allows people to get dressed up to be somebody that maybe they're not on a day-to-day basis, you know, their nine-to-five job, going into the office, they get to kind of do something different, try on a different hat. And that's very theatrical. That's very much in tune with theater and what I love about it. And I think that Rocky Horror especially is very much about just really being your truest self and letting that and being proud of that and not being embarrassed of that. And I think that's why people respond to it so strongly and have for so long is it's really about being accepting and having a great time. And it's a party. Oh, it's so fun. Some of my favorite memories of Halloween are going and dressing up for Rocky Horror, going and seeing a show, or even just watching the movie. It's always a fun time. But once again, they're having two shows on the 30th, the day before Halloween, one at 7 p.m. and one at midnight, which I guess is technically the Halloween show. But that will be at the Alcazar Theater in Carpinteria. So go and buy tickets. Yeah, and I also just want to say the Alcazar Theater just got a new screen in, so it is going to be gorgeous. We've got new surround sound, so the quality of this film is going to be spectacular, like nothing else that you've seen at the Alcazar. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for coming on and talking about Rocky Horror. Thank you for having me. In the spirit of all things Halloween, I felt inspired to look into St. Barbara, the inspiration for Santa Barbara's namesake, of course. As the patron saint of thunderstorms and defiance, St. Barbara actually has quite a unique tie to Halloween. According to legend, which dates only back to the 7th century, she was the beautiful daughter of a pagan king, Dioscorus, who kept her guarded in a tower to protect her from harm, a prophecy also said to be the inspiration behind the story of Rapunzel. When Barbara professed Christianity and refused to marry, her father became enraged and took her to the provincial prefect, where Dioscorus himself grabbed her by her long, beautiful hair and beheaded her. But upon his return home, he was struck by lightning and reduced to ashes. December 4th, the day of Barbara's execution, is known as the Feast of St. Barbara. On that day, Middle Eastern Christians from Lebanon, Syria, Palestine, Jordan, Turkey, and Georgia, as well as Russia, observe a practice of going trick-or-treating, almost like a second Halloween. In fact, it is said that this is where our modern-day trick-or-treating comes from. Adults and children alike go around houses singing the story of St. Barbara, and are given things like wheat and pomegranates, sometimes even money, which are symbols of Barbara's journey when she was miraculously saved from persecution by running through wheat fields that grew instantly to cover her path. Through this tale, it is no surprise that Santa Barbara has become a town obsessed with the mystery and stories of Halloween. Now, I'm here with Julie Brown, founder of Santa Barbara Ghost Tours, to talk about her own ghostly interactions with Santa Barbara natives of Halloween's past. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Julie. It's a pleasure to be with you today. So first off, I wanted to talk to you about why you wanted to start Santa Barbara Ghost Tours. 
does Santa Barbara have a history of ghosts and paranormal activity that you wanted to share? It's it's interesting. It was a personal interest of mine, spiritual things like such as ghosts since I was a young child. And I wanted to live in Santa Barbara since I first uh, was stopped with my parents on the freeway when there was a light in the middle of the 101 in Santa Barbara. And I said, I'm going to live here one day. So there was like a call to Santa Barbara. But the ghost piece was when I was 16, 17, I worked on the Queen Mary in a store called Ruggles, both in their Mary's Gate village and on the ship. And at that time, the city of Long Beach did not want it to be known as haunted, but I knew it was. And I would gather all these stories from the, the guys that were the um, security at night, especially when the ship had arrived. And so I was collecting stories for like a year. And then when I became a tour guide, they had us talk about aft steering and all this stuff. And I was like, this is so boring. So I started to tell ghost stories and I got written up twice. So then I went off to USC. I moved away from home and gave up that job. And then Disney came in and put in this, the Queen Mary ghost tours. And they used my stories. And some of my collected stories are still used today. So then I'm a docent at Mission Santa Barbara. And I had done that, I think, for about four years before COVID. And we, we are extensively trained. We have to interview. We have to be vetted because we work with fourth graders who um, may be doing the mission project that come from public and private schools. And I just fell in love with the history. And the oldest docent was telling ghost stories. And I'd love to listen to his. And then some of the brothers would tell me stories. So I told a few when I was at the mission. And I had a feeling that that wasn't exactly what they would want. Not the priests. The priests are fine, but some of the people at that time that were there. So I thought, well, I'm a volunteer, but you know what? I think I'm going to see if there are any ghosts in Santa Barbara. So I spent nine months developing the first walking tour. And what was ironic were the ghosts that I have on my tour, many, I walked around their graves as a tour guide at the mission. So it's as if they wanted me to tell their stories. I've been doing it now three and a half years. And I, you know, I said I had 150, what? I I think I have 170 stories. Almost every week, something happens and locals come and tell me their stories or, or I've met with them and they tell me. So I've become like the ghost counselor of Santa Barbara, but um, it's really fun. And I, it was my my research showed that downtown Santa Barbara, where 70% of it was destroyed during the earthquake of 25, is where visiting ghosts from the past who lived here or just loved here come back. And uh, so we're quite different than Montecito, Goleta, and of course, um, Summerland. Well, diving deep into the foundation of Santa Barbara, I know this might be a tough question to ask, but What is one of your favorite stories to tell about the ghosts of downtown Santa Barbara? I think um, Jose de la Guerra. I just, I love him. He was the fifth and final commandante. And at the mission, we learned a lot about the transition uh, to power and how gracious he was when Mexico won the war with Spain. And he was just one wonderful story after another. And Actually, when I was inside the mission church, I, w- I didn't know this at the time, but 
we're the only mission that has an underground crypt and actually a whole other altar, but you can't go down there because of uh, water problems. So I was standing on his grave. So I think that that was like, he really wanted me to hear this story. So the bodega, which uh, is located in, in Casa de la Guerra, is the first wine cellar in the state of California, 1811. And there was a winery there for two years, like a test market. And the young woman that worked there with her nine-year-old son, I became friends with. And so this is, I'm a part of this story. That's why I'll, I'll give you this context. So I am also an usher at 7.30 a.m. mass at the mission on Sunday. So it's very early, but I was going to 11 o'clock mass at that time. And I was an usher. And after mass, I decided to reward myself with wine tasting. So I had seen KYT's news before I went to bed the night before, and it said, oh, it was Founders Day weekend, the last weekend of April, where the descendants um, from uh, the Spanish period and most of our Chumash today are both Spanish and Chumash. So there was a lot of, you know, both the celebration on Founders Day of, of everyone from the history. So I thought, gosh, I missed that, you know, the front of the Presidio Founders Day. Didn't think anything else about it. So I go to have wine and Emily had just opened up the bodega door and she was she was like shaky. And I, I said, Emily, are you all right? She said, oh, I just opened up the door. And on the other side of the window, I saw flickering amber lights, like almost like a Christmas tree. It was so scary. And, and then she said, Sebastian, my son said he saw a man. I said, Sebastian, who did you see? And he was on his iPad playing, oh, it was the picture of the guy on the flag across where mom parks. I'm like, that's the historical museum. And that's Jose de la Guerra. I get my cell phone out. Sebastian, do you recognize this guy? Oh yeah, that's the guy I saw. So then I was over the top excited. And I said, oh, what did he do? And he said, well, mom was freaking out. And he looked at me and I looked at him and he was a really nice man. And then I guess I blinked and he was gone. I said, Sebastian, show me where he, where he stood. So we went to the window and you would open the bodega when it was part of a, of a farm, when the whole um, estate was there. And so he went over and I'm standing next to where he said it was. And he goes, you know, he was a lot shorter than you were, Julie. And I thought, well, that's an interesting comment. I'm 5'4", so a lot shorter. Because like, Jose de la Guerra is like a giant in a lot of our minds because he was really good to the poor and his wife, just wonderful things. So I was over the top. Then the descendants were coming to eat at uh, El Paseo for Founders Day weekend. And this man comes in shortly after Sebastian showed me where and how tall he was. And the man goes, oh, this is, you know, this is my ancestor's wine tasting room. And I said, well, this little boy just saw your ancestor. And he looks at me and goes, you know, he was short. And Sebastian went, yeah. So that was interesting. And then the next thing that happens is I go to the historical museum for Anita de la Guerra's exhibit of her wedding dress that was in two years before the mast um, described the wedding. So I'm there and there's a guy that's Chumash and Spanish and he does the soldier stuff on Founders Day. And I was saying, oh, how much I loved Jose de la Guerra. And he goes, he goes well, I do too. But, you know, he was really short. He was only four foot seven. Oh, wow. Sebastian called that. So that's what, and he came home for Founders Day. 
his, his descendants were coming home. And I just thought that was a sweet story. Yeah, that is definitely because when you think of Halloween, you often think of ghosts that are coming back to do hauntings and evil deeds. But that's an interesting way to look at a ghost story as a memory or a commemoration. But you mentioning that you were at the winery is a perfect segue to talking about your tours. So you have this dead of the night tour, but you also have this paranormal pairing, which is in collaboration with some of the wineries downtown. Tell me about that. I always loved the idea of telling ghost stories around a campfire. Although I never got to do it, I always thought that sounded like such a fun thing. So then I thought, wouldn't it be fun to tell ghost stories over wine? And when I first started, I didn't even think about the winery to go back realistically. We just went to a restaurant if anybody wanted to go after. And that's how that started with some of my guests that wanted to hear more. So then I thought, well, I'm going to ask if I could do this at the winery. And Marjoram, Doug and Hughes said, yes. So that was nice. And I did that. And then they moved. And as I grew and I belonged to Silver Winery there, ABC, I just joined. I love them. But Grissini was one of my favorite wine. It's fabulous wine. Just, I mean, fabulous wine. And so I asked them, is it okay if I bring a few guests? So I started that and I bring everybody a gift bag with a paranormal package and just snacks of like chips and cookies just for fun and their little paranormal package. And so we drink wine. They look at their little stuff. They eat some chips or have some chocolate. And we just, they tell their stories. I tell mine. Then I tell stories around El Paseo. And at Grassini, they have two staff members that have been in the basements of what was once Casa de la Guerra. And they have three ghost stories. And so they'll come over and they're going to share their ghost stories. So it's, it's just so much fun. And that's about an hour. And then we go for an hour walk. So um, I like that thought that, you know, it's broken up. But sometimes when I don't have a tour after, I actually go three hours with my guests. And um, it's just a matter of how many I have, I have booked. But I love it. Do you want to hear the recent paranormal things that happen? Yes, I would love to hear. I never know when anything's going to happen. So I had a mother and her daughter in her 20s. And we went to the site of Santa Barbara's most gruesome murder, which is in the front yard corner of a City Hall. Um, there's a plant there. So I told him the story and I said, well, um, a psychic told me she comes to visit. And then she puts this green light and she's protecting. She comes to take care of any guests that are there. And so I always take my camera and their camera. I take one for me, one for them. And I said, okay, I'll, oh, I see the green orb right between both of you. And before I could push the iPhone, the picture was taken. And the little circle goes, right? And I'm like, I did not take that picture. So the ghost took the picture. That was, I mean, I was just, they were just perfectly, you know, the, the, right there. And, and the camera took it. So I was like, okay, that was interesting. And then that same day, there was a husband and wife from Wisconsin. And the wife believed in, and we had the wine, the paranormal pairing, we had the wine first, and then we were doing the ghost tour. And um, all of a sudden, she and I hear yelled at us, a female voice, and went, hey, ladies. Her husband didn't hear it. And it was the happiest voice. 
And what it was is we were in the area of a lot of brothels from the Wild West. So I'm pretty sure that's one of the ladies. And then are you aware how haunted the pickle room is? No. What's that? I've never heard that story before. Oh, oh okay. So on Cannon Perdido, there is a building that is the last visible sign of Chinatown. And the bar was once known as Jimmy's, lovingly, by locals, um, but it's called a pickle room now. And then next to it is Three Pickles, and that's a sandwich shop. And it belonged to Jimmy Lee Chung, who was his family uh, came in the 1880s. He always wanted to be a bartender. So he married a lovely Chinese woman from China, and he thought she was the best cook in the world. So he said, I'm going to make you a Chinese restaurant and I'm going to have a bar. So in 1947, you can see beautiful jade inlaid in it. And the house is behind it. Happiest bar in town. Just incredible. Then their son, youngest son, they had three kids, Billy, Barbara, and Tommy. And Tommy ran it until after his father died. And his mother helped him for a while until 2006 when a preservation organization either bought it or it was donated. Well, they can't afford yet to put their museum for celebrating our Japantown and our Chinatown communities. So they rent the beautiful big house behind it to UCSB grad students. And Mr. Lovejoy, he loved the bar when he was young. So he said, I want it to look like it did when I was young. So let's say in the 50s. So he rented it and it's like you step back into the 50s. And then he has the bar as a sandwich shop. So because there probably wasn't a market for I'm a marketing professor for a Chinese restaurant at that time. So sandwiches for people in the neighborhood. And then it closes up and the bar opens up and they share the same kitchen. Well, there's a ghost story there almost every week. The latest is with the youngest bartender. He was eating in the sandwich shop on his break. And Jimmy and knew he had like a, a little door that if they wanted to go from the right in the front from the restaurant to the bar and so in the bar it looks like a it is a closet but there's just a little door well he's sitting there eating and the entire door opened while he's eating that was last week so you go there and there's like one haunting after another so the pickle room i believe is the most haunted bar in um, the state of california wow that's so wild that people keep having recurring stories in the same places. It's almost like Santa Barbara has a bunch of paranormal hotspots around town. Well, it's because we have so many visiting ghosts. And I had said this, I think, when I was I was interviewed, but I love this story. I get great guests. And I got a call from a lady in New Jersey. And she said, I have two daughters in their early 30s. One is an actor, lives in Santa Monica, and the other one here likes this paranormal stuff. My sister told me to call you and book a tour on this particular night to surprise her sister. And we're going to not tell her we're going to Santa Barbara. And she said, I'm looking forward to seeing Santa Barbara myself. It was obvious that this young girl was like a major psychic. So she's the up and coming psychic of the East Coast. She's about 32. So we have a glass of wine. And the mother and the sister say as soon as they came down Cabrillo, she started to hold her head and just, she goes, what is this place? There are people in Spanish costumes, Native Americans, people that are dressed like they died yesterday. There's like everywhere. It's more condensed ghosts than anywhere. They're walking through people. They're talking. They're walking through cars. 
they're on vacation. And then she goes down State Street and she was like overwhelmed. And when I did my research, my tagline was Santa Barbara ghosts don't come to stay. They come back for a sentimental holiday. Now it's, it's almost every night. And it's cute because pe- most people have not gone on ghost tours. I'd only ever gone on one before this. And that was in Edinburgh, Scotland, like 20 years before. Oh, me as well. Oh, you too. Oh, did, what, did you, was that fascinating? Did you go underground? Oh, yeah. Wow. And you go into the barracks and of Edinburgh Castle and you learn about the history. It's so cool. Oh, I think that we've been to the best one. I think that was like, and I read the other night, Haunted Cities, Edinburgh is one, and Prague in Europe, in the European ones. And they had the Asian um, population of the world that's very, very haunted uh, too. So, so, you, so there we were, one of those hotspots. But so most people have not gone on one. And when they come online and they get all this stuff on their cameras and everything, they think that's like every other ghost tour. And I'm telling them, you know, mostly if you go on a ghost tour, you may get something, but not generally. Um, It's just our ghosts are visiting. So it just depends on who's popping by. And they're very happy to say hi. That's a great way to think about Santa Barbara. Even in the afterlife, it remains a tourist town. And it's funny because people probably wouldn't think that ghosts would be doing the same thing. Well, if I if I was in heaven and I wanted to check out um, how things were, I'd definitely come to Santa Barbara. I think after the Spanish colonial revival style law that Miss Chase had passed after the earthquake, I really feel that our ghosts that lived here are going, whoa, look how great it looks. It never looked this good when we were here. So I think they're like, whoa, it's so beautiful. We were a dirty, dusty cow town for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. Back in the days of the early settlers in Santa Barbara. But even before that, when the Chumash people inhabited this land, when we think about their culture and their legends, there are probably so many more stories in the land that is Santa Barbara than we even know. Oh, and the Chumash ghost stories are quite beautiful. So over near the historical museum on Santa Barbara Street, I had two mothers and their daughters. And I was over there telling a story. And all of a sudden, one of the mothers and the daughters goes, did you hear that? Did you hear that? And I was like, and the other mother, no. They heard Chumash chanting and singing. Then I talked to Benjamin Silver from Silver Winery, and they live in Carpinteria. They hear the Chumash sing, he and his wife, T. They both have heard the Chumash chant and sing all around their property. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of those wonderful stories. I'm so happy our listeners get to engage with the tales of Santa Barbara. And even more so, what tours are you offering this week for Halloween? Well, let's see. This week, I have seven o'clock tours and then the paranormal pairings at five. It just depends on, you know, who comes or who books. And people do tend to book like the same day, but it's it's difficult with the winery if they don't have room. So I tell them I need that the day before. But um, seven o'clock tour is every night this week, except Halloween. Then I have a nine o'clock Wednesday, I'm not doing any. And then Halloween, I just have the nine because I have a special ghost tour, which it's $300. It's very expensive. It's 150 each, but that includes dinner. And it's kind of like a surprise for the guest. We have dinner 
a lovely dinner in one of these private clubs and I tell ghost stories and we eat and then we have wine. And if they want more stories, then I build time for that. And then um, that's, so that's like from five to eight on Halloween. So then I thought, wow, I, I guess the only tour I can do that night is the nine o'clock. So that will be very fun. So I have, I think I have about five people booked and I can take 15. So I have room for 10 more on Halloween. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Well, what an incredible time I've had listening to your stories, Julie. And if you'd like to learn more about the ghosts of Santa Barbara, you can head to www.sbghosttour.com or search Santa Barbara Ghost Tour to buy your tickets to learn more. Santa Barbara Ghost Tours with Julie are year-round, so even if you miss out this Halloween, you can catch a tour any other time of the year. There's always something mysterious and spooky going on in Santa Barbara, but once again, Julie Brown, thank you so much for telling some stories on air with me and for taking the time to talk a bit about your experience with the Ghosts of Santa Barbara. And thank you for inviting me. Once again, I'm Molly McEnany, host of The Indie. Tune in next week for another episode.